Welcome, one and all, to your Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. It is hard to believe we podcast on May 10th, 2021 here, nearly two years since the last Marvel movie in a cinema. That's right, I'm talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. But Matt, we just had to dust this one off in advance of Black Widow. Why? Why? Because, to my mind, Pete, out of the blue, last week, Marvel dropped a 3-minute and 11-second trailer entitled Marvel Studios Celebrates the Movies. Uh... One of the best previews I've ever seen. Now, it gets the benefit of being uh, both a preview for multiple, multiple movies ahead. So, of course, you get extra sizzle there. But also in that rarefied advertising space, it links the idea, hey, this commercial product that we made, it can reach the intangible somehow. And it can it can really, you know, th- this notion that it wasn't just, let's go see some movies where costume people fight other costume people. It was a signal to say we can return to a post-COVID life. Obviously, Black Widow isn't going to make that happen, nor Shang-Chi or Eternals and so forth. But it was that it was that feeling. It was that feeling of hope. It was that intangible sizzle of goodness. And that's why it's an amazing preview. And listen, we've been having all this fun podcasting WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And soon we'll be doing Loki, our Loki podcast feed by fantastic geek is already up so go ahead subscribe rate it uh give us a review whatever you could do to help out there but the idea of the cinema and it's sold perfectly in that preview by of course the late stan lee's words about this man being your brother and that lady over there she's your sister and there's there's just a you know, let's all gather around the fire and and do this type of mentality to it. I don't really consider it a, a trailer, I got to be honest, only because the way in which they give you the stuff that's come before and then it's it's advertising is what it is. They're, they're telling you what's to come. Uh, we've had all this great TV and we have even more great TV coming with Ms. Marvel and, you know, still waiting on a... Um, where's what if going to slide in and, and Hawkeye by the end of the year. But we're, we're almost there, Matt. And, you know, while I, I'm definitely going to be watching Black Widow for sure um, in a cinema that uh, has affordable refreshments and I can pause it at any time and go to the restroom or do whatever I need to do, um, we're, we're almost there. And we're knocking at the door, and it was a well-timed, um, non-ballyhooed just drop of this announcement here. And we'll certainly dig more into that trailer in a moment. Uh, I know that the Marvel Movie Podcast, it's one of our more popular ones. Uh, I will grant you, Pete, as you said at the top, haven't talked about as many Marvel movies in the last couple of years for obvious reasons. Um, but if you're uh, a newer listener, certainly welcome. If uh, you listen to us mostly for the Marvel movie stuff, glad to have you along as well. P, 
Pete, in the recent weeks over on our Pop Culture Podcast feed, we've been having Buffet May. We've been talking about Star Wars, The Bad Batch. Uh, next week, or I guess at the end of this week, Pete, time is a fluid construct, okay? Uh, we'll be talking about the early episodes of Superman and Lois over there on HBO Max and the CW app. So keeping that geeky goodness in as many universes as possible, even though I think the MCU is our is our foundation and our roof and our walls. Pete, all all geek universes are welcome. And speaking of uh, Marvel, we'll be back with that, albeit on the kind of relegated over here uh, Marvel TV side. We're going to be looking at the MODOK premiere on Hulu uh, Friday, May 21st. We'll also be digging into uh, Army of the Dead on Netflix that weekend before finishing out our May buffet with a heaping helping of some Star Trek still kind of working around what exactly will be in those dishes, but I got the sterno ready, Matt. Uh, in the meantime, is there anywhere where listeners can find more fantastic geek? Have to mention there's extra goodness as well as the, the wellspring of our support over there on patreon.com slash fantastic geek exclusives that are there. Uh, as well as just a really fantastic and, uh, Pete, dare say, growing community of people who are helping make all our podcasts possible, you know, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, uh, even Pete, a little dip into DC every now and then, uh, really, really is made possible by those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Could come in the way of early listens or things you're only going to find there. Takes just a dollar to get through that door. Can't contribute. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Takes just a second. Leave us a review. Takes a little bit longer. And you help us find other people and them find us. But let's dig into this trailer. Pete, I think... Nobody saw coming the notion that the late, great Stan Lee, uh, his words, I almost said that he was giving the voiceover, which is a little untrue, and we're going to dig into where these words came from, but this clarion call here, not just of feeling good about going to the movies, not just about being connected as a, as a global audience to these movies, but heartfelt words, you know, uh, you know, we're part of one big family. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. I think it was, if you wanted to look at it in the most optimistic light, it was the message that's built into the MCU in terms of inclusivity and open-mindedness and whatnot. I did notice in the last week, there was an article on inverse.com that was pessimistic about it, essentially saying... You know, what is the source of these words? Uh, Stanley had done a social media post uh, in October 2017, um, uh, particularly, you know, there was a, a rise on uh, hate speech, hate actions, uh, the attack in Charlottesville, Virginia, and so forth. And that's where those words came from was in what was in this uh, social media post, a video post. Um, so again, the most pessimistic take is, they took Stanley's heartfelt words and recut them to say, "Hey, here's an advertisement. Go to movies." Pete, I look at the I look at the schedule of these movies that are coming out. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen. For example, Pete, the next three Marvel movies are directed by people who are traditionally underrepresented uh, in Hollywood. Uh, the 
female Caucasian Kate Shortland, Destin Daniel Cretton, who's uh, who has an Asian background, Hawaiian, I believe, and then Chloe Zhao uh, herself, a a uh, Chinese woman. The diversity is there in the director's chair. The diversity is there in the screenwriters' uh, scripts. The diversity is there with the leads. I don't know that this trailer and Stanley's words are a co-opting of his message. If Stanley believed that we are part of a family, and okay, it's a Marvel family, but it's also the human family. If Stanley believed that, as he posted in his waning years, as he has said for decades and decades, uh, and that is hammered home to global audiences that you know, Black Widow and Shang-Chi and the directors of Eternals and Black Panther 2 and uh, the Marvels, that they are all welcome as well. We're seeing representation in a popular way, the likes of which is, I don't want to say has never been seen before, but certainly is rare. And that's all in line with Stanley's words from 2017. I find it very hard to not think he is smiling down. He is super proud of what's going on with the brand that he was instrumental with. Um, I, I think that the amount that are packed together here, you know, this is going to be a one, two, three, four punch here to end the year, the second half of this year. Oh, and we're going to sprinkle in uh, four TV shows, one of which is animated, and I'm not denigrating that. We just did two episodes of the Star Wars Bad Batch, but it's on a, a lower level. But even then, what is what is that boast? And what if the final performance ever of Chadwick Boseman? Again, speaking to this idea of diversity and representation, and you know we've we've done the Captain Marvel thing, so we've had our you know, first female helmed uh, MCU movie, uh, having Black Widow here. A lot, a lot of people thought she'd be first, just the way that it shakes out. So overdue as it is, both in general and with COVID, uh, to get this. I, I think it will truly mark. I mean, you've been talking for a while, Matt, that Marvel would put together some idea of, you know, let's let's thank the first responders and go back to the movies. This was effectively it. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to, um, you know, pile on on top of that. I think it's it's best understated. And the idea that, you know, whether you'll go to a theater and see it, Okay, whether you'll do it through Disney Premier Access at home remains to be seen whether Shang-Chi and any of those others later in the year will offer that. But given that like Paramount has gone to a 45 uh, day window before things hit Paramount Plus. Okay, and what HBO Max has done, I don't know that you necessarily put the genie back in the bottle. That being said, film going uh, is a communal experience and will always exist in some way, shape, or form. I, I think you're going to increasingly have the dual option. And add to it, um, I don't want to say that there's a genius to this schedule because the schedule having been upended so many times and clearly not designed to be a post-COVID uh, a, a post-COVID release uh, at, at all, you know, just until circumstances dictated as such. But the notion that Marvel movies get to come back with the very familiar Black Widow as a character, as a property. Um, it's a, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a 
flashback movie. You know, it's taking place shortly after Civil War. Um, so, like, we know she's not going to die at the end of it. We know that there's not going to be some sort of reveal at the end, um, at least in terms of the body of it. Maybe there's some, you know, eight years later kind of thing, but we know that in terms of the body of the movie, it's not like they're going to necessarily be advancing the advancing the overall MCU storyline much. Then we get to go to new character, new territory with Shang-Chi, similarly with Eternals. So if there was a little, you know, kind of go out on the ice and the MCU really wants to grow in different directions, uh, whether it's in terms of the Asian representation for Shang-Chi or kind of more of the celestial stuff with the Eternals, so be it. And what I... Here's the fact, the reality today. Both of those movies get to go out on the ice a little bit, and if they underperform a little bit, it's not going to be, oh, look, this is a bad idea. It's going to be, look, Shang-Chi and Eternals are still uh, coming out of the the COVID scenario. So by the time you hit the most familiar character, the most beloved character in Spider-Man, I would assume movies are back at 100% come December 17th of this year, and you kind of get to have these four movies existing in their most successful uh, environment, if you will. I think the notion of underperformance is really a, a thing that will not be there. There's there's pent-up demand, and I think history is going to reflect with the launch of the Disney Plus shows for Marvel Studios that that came at a serendipitous time when we were all clamoring for those characters and that they were ones we were already familiar with and we got to return to them and take deeper dives. Um, It could not have worked out in a better way. And now to go back to the theater, I mean, geez, Matt, we've been, we've been podcasting for the, the length of the pandemic with the idea uh, we're we're going to be bringing you black widow it's coming it's coming and the number of times it's it's backed up i mean we had the original date last may right then it was flipped to november then it was flipped to may so this movie's been moved four times all right and it's not uh the new mutants no certainly far far from the new mutants and again, just this insane scenario that I think was that was hammered home by the the Marvel Studios celebrates the movies trailer, essentially saying, if there was any, let me this way, if there was any sort of sense of, well, maybe I won't go see Black Widow because I'm concerned about um, COVID and safety and whatnot, which of course should be the paramount concern. Okay. Go feel no guilt towards like you know reopen America reopen the movies heck feel no guilt for abandoning the message of that trailer which is we are all together as one human family at the movies feel free to go watch it on Disney Plus man you have a couple other months until you can say do I feel comfortable going to see Shang Chi the holiday weekend that first weekend in September uh, if not then there's Eternals and Spider Man and so forth um, and then to get the mention there, Doctor Strange, and it was it was at that point I think well let's see because we saw Black Widow, we saw Shang Chi, which was more uh, more footage than we had seen before. Then it was the first footage of Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, this you know th- this off of Chloe Zhao's Oscar win, 
Um, and then kind of the preview takes this turn where the music starts to pile on. Oh, there's also Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, you know, and Thor Love and Thunder. And then the new titles for uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the retitled Captain Marvel 2, now the Marvels with the Ms. Marvel logo there. Yeah. Uh, Ant- Ant-Man and the Wasp gets a date. Uh, pardon me. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania gets a date. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 gets a date. And then, Pete, the last thing, which we will save for last, but just, it was, I it really, I, if you were a theater owner, you must have been watching that say, with tears in your eyes saying, yes, we're back. And if you are reluctant to go to the theaters this summer or this fall, you could still have tears in your eyes to imagine the time when you're going to feel okay to go back, even if it is, you know, March, the end of winter, May of next year, spring, and so forth. Yeah, and this is not even mentioning that we've still got Blade hanging out there. Uh, It's been a little overdone, but this is not the first announcement of Fantastic Four. This has been, (laughs) you know, announced before. Uh, I've seen a lot of reaction like, oh, did we know this was coming? We've known this was coming. This, This was announced. Uh, all the way back at the, I want to say December uh, event that they did. Um, I think even, even but, before that, Pete, the last, uh, the last D twenty three, which I couldn't even tell. I mean, at this point, the what the, at this month, six months before COVID or a year before COVID, it's all a bit of a blur. But um, at the so that would I believe D twenty three twenty nineteen um, was when. Oh, by the way, we're also have Fantastic Four in development. Good night, everybody. Um, but I think to your point, Pete, and, and certainly was also mentioned at the that was when uh, Mahershala Ali was was brought out as well as Blade. Uh, yes, yeah, and I think for for the for the hardcore Disney or the hardcore Marvel audience or the or the hardcore kind of comic book movie audience, um. I think that that was out there. If you were just casual person who's not necessarily, you know, wasn't necessarily watching the Disney Investor Day live for the better part of five hours, <laughs> been there, done that. Um, the notion, oh man, they just flashed a four logo. Is that Fantastic Four? Oh wait, is that for Phase Four? What is that? I think it gets the conversation going for their mo- literally their most farthest away planned movie, and also the movie that like. Well, we can't give you a title or a director or anything because it's that far away and they're, they're just finishing getting through the backlog of COVID delayed stuff now in, and so on and so forth. But I think that, it, that four was there to just say, start to get ready for this. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at this slate after Black Widow and that we had just started to see within the past three weeks, some footage of Shang-Chi uh, which looks super fun. Um, and you have to imagine that uh, Black Widow will carry a trailer both for that and for the Eternals as well. Possibly even Spider-Man. I mean, it's baffling to think that we are a little over a half year from this Spider-Man movie that seems so loaded with stuff. Um and as a Christmas release that they've never done with that character, I think is really going to pop. 
But, you know, let's talk uh, a little bit of Black Widow here for a second. The uh, the character um, uh, posters hit today and there's some really interesting stuff there. Certainly, Pete, you know, no surprise to see uh, to see Black Widow there. No surprise to see the Florence Pugh character and so forth. Um, along with, of course, uh, David Harbour, who's, who's looking for a bounce back in the movie world after the, the Hellboy remake didn't do well. Uh, Rachel Weisz there as well. I have to admit, Pete, I was a little surprised to see the uh, the great actor O.T. Fagbenley there um, kind of not... Uh, let me this way, Pete. I didn't know what expectations I had in terms of uh, the character or the actor, uh, you know, whichever one. I didn't really have expectations like, is he going to be in a super suit or not? But it kind of was like super suit as you're scrolling, as you're swiping on Instagram, super suit, super suit, super suit. Then, oh, look, it's the guy who's the husband in Handmaid's Tale. He's in like jeans and a cool guy jacket. Um, but your thoughts, Pete? I, Rachel Weiss, okay, somebody who 20 years ago would have been Black Widow now, you know, as uh, the mother of black widow uh in this is just phenomenal okay and then like you mentioned ot fag benley um love him on the handmaid's tale which i think is the best thing on tv right now and i had completely gone under my radar that he was in this film um and then of course uh taskmaster does not have uh an actor uh you know, associated on the poster and so much has been maligned about the design, but I think on the character poster here, really um, intriguing. And like we said, you know, leaving off the the name there. So uh, just another reason here to get people hyped about this movie. Um, I think that Harbor is just going to completely chew it up. I think the girls are going to kick butt, and uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this in the comfort of my own home. Well, and let's stick with that point there for a second. Initially, Pete, particularly on the heels of this trailer, it was like, oh, no, I must go to the movies. Here's the problem that movie theaters need to confront, and it's something you and I have spoken about off mic quite a bit. Uh, In my house... The other person's chair doesn't squeak and bothers me, but at our local AMC it does because they don't keep that stuff, you know, WD 40 or whatever. You know, there aren't people running in and out. There isn't the door to the hallway opening and and, and whatnot. I think the theaters under. I mean, look, because Pete, AMC is, you know, I, look, this is not the Times Square AMC location. This is not some storied Los Angeles theater that used to have silent movies and has the great vaulted ceiling and whatnot. But this is also, you know, this is an AMC theater. This is not, you know, Joe Schmo's two screen, you know, we we get uh, scratched up prints and it's played in a, you know, in, in a broken down shopping mall kind of thing. Major theater chains need to square with the fact that the theater experience when you take away the great speakers and the 40 foot by 20 foot screen, the theater experience has a problem, which is the yeah. people in there. And I don't know how you square that, but I know how I square it for Black Widow. Is, I spend is, my 30 bucks at home. Yeah, is, is what it boils down to. Um, it, it's a comfort issue. Uh, it's a, a cleanliness issue. It was a cleanliness issue prior to COVID. 
um, someone repainted the restroom at our local AMC with vomit. I got the story from a reliable secondhand source and uh, I took Matt and I out of that AMC for months <laughs> because no, yeah. because no. And, and that you're talking about a, a, a theater chain that is nigh unresponsive to criticism. So uh, adapt or die. And I, I don't mean to come off as callous there, but there's been enough closures of businesses as a result of COVID. But at the same time, you've seen others figure it out and find a way to thrive. And if they want to survive, they're going to figure it out. Uh, or these movies will wind up playing someplace else. They will wind up playing someplace. Um, again, that this Disney Plus model has now turned into a- an outlet for first-run tentpole uh, pictures with Mulan. And then you did it with Ray and the Last Dragon. And you've got Cruella this month. So by the time you now get to Black Widow, um, I, I had to disagree with them when they backed it up. I, I think I would have gone. God knows the world could have used it last spring, Matt. But it's their, their decision. And certainly the demand's been pent up. Uh, you can't argue with it. And, you know, this Black Widow film, one that Pete in 2016... Um, <laughs> The uh, the director of Avengers and Avengers: Age of Ultron had expressed interest uh, in directing it. I think I think we all are winners that instead the director is Kate Shortland. Um, this is a movie that uh, has had some different story iterations. Initially, the script by Jack Schaefer, who we saw go on to be head writer in WandaVision. Uh, Ned Benson got some input there. Then a lot of that apparently rejected in favor of the ultimate screenplay by Eric Pearson. Pete, I know who's not complaining about all those things. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter had reported that Scarlett Johansson will be making, or has made, I guess it's fully past tense now, $15 million for this movie, which is on par with Chris's, Evans, and Hemsworth for their uh, third films in the MCU. So, you know, th- this a movie, again, a very familiar property, but one that is still breaking into some new territory. Yeah, we're not quite there yet, but it's progress. And again, the word that comes to mind is overdue, particularly with Scarlett Johansson. I mean, there's a lot of guff uh, that she's played uh, characters of uh, Asian descent and the, the whole thing there. Um, but then what do you do? You uh, bookend this with a uh, Asian led cast with Shang-Chi and the, and the legend of 10 rings. If I was making, if I was in charge of this uh, Marvel studio celebrates the movie trailer, I wouldn't necessarily have ended on, on Shang-Chi. I maybe would have reprised, you know, uh, images or footage, whether it's of the new movies, but would have gone, you know, black widow, Shang-Chi eternal stuff, da, 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 da. But I understand the method to their madness, which is, in a certain sense, Black Widow sells itself as a movie because we're familiar with it. And and we've been sold this movie for like a year and a half as the dates have been pushed back and so forth. Shang-Chi is the brand new property here to end that with 
kind of it's almost disney saying we kind of know a lot of you aren't going to black widow in the theater and hopefully we're gonna capture all of that on disney plus but you know there are different ways to slice the math it's the i still contend pete how about maybe it's not the best way anymore but the easiest way to make a billion dollars or 1.5 billion dollars out of a movie property is to release it on screens um to release it on movie screens release it you know in in film theaters so i think there's there's the desire there for shang chi which i don't want to say despite the the um uniqueness of the asian audience because i don't want to or or the asian um cast i I certainly don't want to downplay that to any degree but what did its footage in this trailer and then in its own trailer what did that hammer home get ready to have fun period you know it, it it seems to be at least the way it's being sold it's a little bit divorced from let's say the heavy social weight that black panther had um and again that's not to take away the importance uh, of all that, that represents kind of outside the confines of it being you know two hours of people you know attacking each other um but the message is go have fun while you watch this movie pete spoiler alert i think uh, shang chi wins at the end and so forth like it's going to be that kind of feel good razzle dazzle um notion at the movies yeah that with the next uh duo of films we get after this long-awaited uh return of a character we know a character now deceased in the timeline moving forward to bring in Shang-Chi to introduce the Eternals. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the, the energy and the fun, you know, something I hadn't counted on. And we had even recently just watched my wife and I for the first time uh, with uh, crazy rich agents. Uh, Aquafina here, I think is, just gonna explode in terms of popularity and you know pete i think at least the way the movie is being marketed um they got her face in there as much of uh and her character's face in there as much uh as that of um simu liu uh playing shang chi it's because she's you know she was in oceans eight she's been in uh crazy rich asians as you say she's you know, she had a, a comedy career before that. She kind of was well-known. So she's just super likable. Um, so it makes sense to kind of, again, in the, I, I have no idea where the story is going to go, but in terms of the marketing, it makes sense to kind of give her equal, again, not billing on the poster, but equal kind of screen time in terms of how they sell the movie. And the idea beneath the surface, the 10 rings that they're going to return after all this time to the Mandarin, Um, And then you throw in the uh, luminous Michelle Yeoh, uh, who is playing a second character in the MCU after appearing in the one uh, credit scene for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So I I think just a, a perfectly placed, you know, September is traditionally a weak uh, placement. Um, it won't be because of this, and obviously they will dominate the discussion. Like I said, for selfish reasons, I'm really kind of hoping for the continuation of the option to watch this at home. If it's a situation where public health 
continues to improve and it's just an in theater thing as somebody who's been duly vaccinated, I will go to the theater, but I'm also interested in watching it at home. And, you know, I, I think part and parcel of the discussion, you mentioned the pathway to a billion dollars in terms of theater performance. Uh, why split it? Disney, Marvel studios, when you can keep all that comes in. And I think that's increasingly a discussion with the distribution end. I a hundred percent agree, particularly, um, you know, all these movies being released, the HBO max, um, plan and so forth. It's been an opportunity to sit down and actually crunch numbers. I know that the notion that HBO was giving up like $1.5 billion worth of box office profit, you know, even after you share it with, with your theater partners and whatnot, by releasing their whole, um, their whole schedule to HBO Max, you kind of sit and go, whoa, $1.5 billion. That is a lot of money. Then you start to crunch the math, at least for HBO Max. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you, if HBO Max is able to generate something like 8 million subscribers for an entire year um, at $15 a month, guess what, Pete? They just did better than releasing these movies in theaters where they have to share, you know, because again, theaters are keeping about half of it and whatnot. Um, interestingly, too, if we're going to talk kind of inside baseball here, um, the international box office, of course, always remains huge. And I think there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of, of a question mark. How will any of these movies do? What will individual countries be in terms of their, their openness? But, you know, worse comes to worse if, you know, pick a country. If Bulgaria is not able to do Black Widow uh, on July 9th, Black Widow will open in Bulgaria at some point. Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi with its Asian representation, particularly Chinese representation uh, at the top there. Um, that is a movie that has a date in China. Um, Eternals, which I guess we'll turn to now. Chloe Zhao being on the record uh, with uh, you know negative commentary about uh, the Chinese government and so forth. Chloe Zhao movies thus far have not been released in China. And I think it is worth mentioning, again, you know, there's this inverse article saying, you took Stan Lee's words and you co-opted them. Um, okay, fine, yes, Marvel makes commercial stuff to make money and whatnot. They chose in Chloe Zhao a director for Eternals who, by her very, not literally her name, but because she's Chloe Zhao, um, you know, who, who lived in China, left, has been critical of the Chinese government... Eternals, Marvel, Disney might not get an Eternals release in China, period. You know, Pete, I don't think the world necessarily changes because of movies and sports and all that. But, you know, I know from Forrest Gump, the the fiction aside, uh, it meant something when that ping pong team went to China to play. Um, It means something. I don't know how big, how greatly it means a thing, but it means something that... It, to me, anyway, means something that Disney and Marvel have said to the Chinese government. We have an MCU movie that people will enjoy. It's called Eternals. It has an international cast. You want to not play it because this one woman has said things about your country? Okay. You know, now Pete, on the profit margin end, okay, well, they got Shang-Chi and they got some profit sharing for Spider-Man and they got Doctor Strange, all of which I'm sure will get to China just fine. But, you know, is it impossible to think that there's a little bit of unintentional 
Marvel movie diplomacy going on here. Not directed by, you know, this government or that government or whatever, but, you know, it's all swimming in the right direction in terms of, no, we're going to get this woman to direct the movie. And if that means no China release, no China release. I, I think they're going to be all right. I, I think they'll make do. And, you know, Chloe Zhao coming off Best Director, the, the first Best Director to direct an MCU film here. So, uh, you know, so much to the point that uh, Kevin Feige is on record recently, you know, oh, we, we saw footage of a sunset and he's explaining this is this is in camera. This is not against a green screen or, or whatnot. Like you, you, you can do this. So between the storytelling effects and the storytelling itself and Zhao, a voice, uh, a voice of dissent for the Chinese government. Okay, you you can you can keep your audience. Marvel will take their ball to uh, all the other countries in the world, and I think they're going to be just fine. And I'm sure the people of China who want to check out the film will find some way to do it. Then moving on to a movie, Pete, that Disney will not be releasing directly on Disney Plus because they don't own those rights in terms of Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, since you and I seriously dug down to talk Marvel movies, indeed in the last month or so, the dual shocking news that uh, Sony Pictures was teaming up with Netflix to essentially be the first run home for digital. So if you if you rewind the clock 20 years ago and say hey that movie is going to be on HBO you know in six months or nine months um, or let's say if you rewind the clock five or six years ago and you say ooh that movie is going to be on on Netflix in nine to twelve months after its theatrical run that's going to be the case for Spider-Man No Way Home I'm not saying Pete six to nine months or, or that sort of thing but somewhere in that neighborhood um, they did that deal. Sony is a movie studio, is a successful movie studio that has no streamer. Netflix is a streamer that, in reality, doesn't really have a successful movie studio. Um, then a couple weeks after that, it was added, because that was kind of like the first run home theater digital stuff. Um, Sony then signed another deal with Disney Plus to say, um, when, th- when those movies are done on Netflix, they will go on uh, Disney Plus or Hulu. So, Pete, at some point... Maybe closer to 2024, but at some point, Spider-Man No Way Home will be able to be viewed on Disney+. Plus. It just isn't going to be this year, so get your ticket, get your mask. If you want to if you want to meet up and we'll choose a theatrical showing that is sparsely populated, uh, you know, hopefully COVID is well behind us at that point, but I guarantee Spider-Man No Way Home will be released in theaters this December. I don't want to commit... <laughs> to that necessarily Matt only because we're still searching for those magic numbers in terms of herd immunity and the the people who have chosen for a variety of reasons not to uh, get vaccinated Um, but the idea here of these deals Netflix uh, the deal with Disney Plus let's talk another deal that at least isn't public yet but I'm sure will get done and that's the idea of tom holland and more spider-man movies certainly all of that is helped by the fact that um again maybe about six months ago time in the age of covid a very strange thing um but the fact that disney and um sony have not just kind of you know they, they got over their fight from 
again, around the time of D23, uh, which I guess was, again, July or August 2019, and Tom Holland and Chris Pratt came out to to promote um, uh, Onward, but instead it was it was kind of, you know, a farewell to Spider-Man, and, and, you know, Disney just trounced Sony in terms of the PR department, and there was there was the the picture of Spider-Man, you know, R.I.P. and flowers left and whatnot by, by by folks and whatnot. But anyhow, the fact that Disney and Sony have um, strengthened that deal and strengthened the you know the presence of Spider-Man and the ability to kind of ha- have these properties and streaming and Disney Plus and all, all this stuff, it's got to point towards Tom Holland playing more Spider-Man. Pete, he's a young, fit guy. There's no reason why Tom Holland can't be playing the 30-year-old Spider-Man, the 35-year-old, the 40-year-old Spider-Man, and so forth. Forget James Bond and so forth. This should be the Spider-Man for a generation. Nothing lasts forever. We've learned that. You get the most out of them when you can. Um, To think that it would be the three solo pictures and the couple of appearances, I mean, what? Uh, Civil War and then two Avengers and then done um, would be silly. There'll be more. It'll happen. They've got a far greater relationship. And I, I think these deals have, have come largely about because of the environment. And sometimes you need that. Any observer, casual or otherwise, knew the film industry was teetering prior to COVID. Okay, Uh, that, you know, you'd have a lousy experience at the theater like we did and that I'd wind up speaking to somebody at AMC and just completely nonchalant and really not interested, at least it seemed in the business, all the while boasting a standee in their lobby for a Netflix exclusive film, not understanding how that undermines and represented both the present and the future of their industry. Um, But Hey, that's fine. Live in a world of denial uh, where, you know, these streamers reaching directly into homes, just constantly hankering for content Matt, I think of the number of HBO Max releases that I have watched that I would not have seen in a movie theater, that I would have had no interest in seeing, okay, that we have watched. Now, not all of them have been great. I wouldn't call all of them truly theatrical experiences. But you know what? I had the access to them, okay? And I think that that matters. And, you know, whether it's a safety issue or whether it's just the comfort of your own home and your own couch and your own refreshments and being able to do it on your terms as opposed to the, the back door of the theater pouring light onto the screen or idiots running up and down the aisles or the hallways or, you know, cinemuck on the floor, what have you. Um, you have to at least acknowledge the alternative. And I, I think that Disney Plus uh, doing this, and again, I, I wish I could tell you that the rest of the year they would be. Okay, so Sony, the, the Disney deal, uh, Spider-Man, December, the high likelihood that you'll only find that in a the theater. All right, 
and again, you know, game time decision in terms of where we are with that, uh, and probably going to win out in terms of my interest to do that, so long as it is uh, physically safe to do so, um, and you know, to cap 2021 with that on top of all the TV content. I mean, our our cup runneth over. Heaven knows we waited long enough to finally get back to it. Well, Pete, we've spent uh, plenty of time already talking about the Doctor Strange and Thor sequels. Um, again, the some of the new news from this trailer uh, was Black Panther Wakanda Forever being the title of that Ryan Coogler directed and written uh, sequel. And then, I have to admit, Pete, I did not see coming uh, the retitling of Captain Marvel 2, uh, number two, two, T-O, uh, the title of the Marvels, although it just makes sense. Then you dig in. I have to admit, Pete, I was not aware of the Marvels um, as a uh, more recent kind of comic uh, moniker. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly familiar with the uh, the Alex Ross Marvels um, uh, painted graphic novel from uh, probably longer than I care to admit at this point, maybe 25 years ago at this point. Um, but that was a surprise uh, as well, and I think that just—I mean—that logo is pitch perfect because it tells you know it's the Captain Marvel font, it's the Captain Marvel kind of um, you know f- fighter pilot insignia or whatever in the A, yeah. and then the S from Ms. Marvel, and it just—it tells you everything you need to know, even if you don't know it yet. And that we're adding to that cast this year that we got Monica Rambeau. Uh, in January and February with WandaVision that we will get Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan later this year. And then boom, a little bit more than a year later, they will headline this film along with uh, Brie Larson's Carol Danvers. Super exciting there. I think the title completely apropos. Uh, Wakanda Forever, you know, it, it, it feels obvious, but it feels obvious in the right way. I do not envy them in the least in terms of the decision that they had to make. I mean, it was heartbreaking, the loss enough of Chadwick Boseman. Um, But to have Ryan Coogler in the days after his death talk about finishing the sequel script and all these words that um, uh, Chadwick Boseman was never going to be able to say, it just breaks your heart. So where they go with that mantle um, remains a great guessing game. I have to imagine they won't be out in front necessarily about announcing how that is going to go. It might be baked into, uh, you know, the, the advertising we'll have to see, but you know, that film long overdue and and for obvious reasons would have been here sooner. Um, But you consider more than four years before this black Panther is a seminal moment in terms of the MCU and just kicking that door wide open. And then you get the best picture nomination. So very, very important. So I I think that is an absolute linchpin of this slate and it falls nearly in the middle of it. Um, you know, kind of the MCU, you know, versus the ones you don't really know yet. And then, you know, we, we go back to some familiars before, you know, whatever this cast is going to be for Fantastic Four. Do they do they go with 
Krasinski and and Blunt, like so many fans have been hoping for, is it complete unknowns? Uh, you know, how do they do it? I think we trust them, and I, I think that's why, as painful as the Bozeman thing is, we believe they'll make the right call there, whether it's going to be Shuri, whether it's going to be Okoye, whether it's going to be Nakia. Uh, I'd have to say I, I think you go female, um, but let's throw M'Baku potentially in there. Um, or does somebody even need to be the Black Panther? Can Can that, you know that be shared can it can it be an idea i i trust this collection of storytellers because time after time they answer the bell it's been a long time between periods and i'm definitely ready for them to be doing that but the tv stuff has you know more than kept us busy and interested and that discussion going matt which is so much a part of the fun of this entertainment absolutely pete and let's keep that discussion going how can people be in touch with you on twitter to talk about this absolute monster movie slate that's coming out between now and uh the release of guardians of the galaxy volume three in may 2023 pete we're under the two-year mark <laughs> you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-l-a-r-11,950 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with a PH, all one word, like it today. For those listening on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed, I am sure that we will give a little extra MCU sizzle ahead of the release of Black Widow, but certainly back for that. Uh, in the summer and Shang-Chi in the fall and so forth. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, uh, all this MCU talk, again, Superman and Lois upcoming this weekend, then MODOK and Army of the Dead. Pete, they're calling it Zack Snyder's best movie this year, um, and so <laughs> forth before we head to Loki uh, as the summer starts. So the adventure certainly continuing with that. I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Excelsior.